Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in. As we continue to talk with leaders in our community today, we have a great topic. We're going to talk about love and the more love, the better. Joining me today is the president of the More Love Project, Christine Moreland, and vice president, Jeff Langto. Christine and Jeff, welcome. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Gary. Uh, I I can't wait to talk with you guys this morning about spreading love and the More Love Project. It's got a great name. You you do spread love, but do it in real practical ways, I guess, right? Yeah, we sure do. Uh, The More Love Project was founded on the basis of connecting in the community with those in greatest need. Yeah, connecting the community. So you guys do your servants. Uh, let's talk about what you are and aren't, I guess, the basics here. You, you, you work downtown with homeless folks and trying to, you know, correct some things that are wrong in our society. Um, do you operate facilities? Or are you just a, you know, are you a shelter? Let's sort of put that out for the people listening. Oh, it's one of these things. What is? <laughs> You're different than some of the typical ones, aren't you? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And at this point, we don't own any facilities. Uh, we really try and partner with those who do. Uh, It's not something that we're necessarily opposed to, but it does bring a lot of complications and, and work. And our focus really is the folks on the street and how to get them into those safe beds and provide them with transitional services that really can lead them to a a more safe and, and stable future. Yeah. Focusing on people. Well, yeah. And I think that one of the greatest gifts that we've been given is to become people's constants. And so I think for us is if we can get that through to the community that just by becoming somebody's constant or another resource's constant, uh, we're much more effective than just doing it on our own. So as Jeff said, we don't have a facility. We're not running a search and rescue. We run alongside Seattle's Union Gospel Mission for that. But why recreate the wheel when we can make it better with more love? Um, yeah, so a few more basics. How long have you been around as an entity? Then you're a nonprofit, right? Let's get some of these out of the way. Yeah, so we're we're coming up on two years uh, as a nonprofit, 501c3 in, in the state. Um, and uh, the, the effort actually goes back a little bit further than that, uh, several years, uh, in fact, when uh, Christine started doing uh, search and rescue missions with the Union Gospel Mission. Uh, it's uh, it's an effort that the, the mission has folks going out every night uh, um, across most of Western Washington, actually, and uh, and Christine started going out every Tuesday, and and did that for many years, and she recognized just what a complex issue this was, what a big problem it is uh, for for our region, and decided there has to be more that we can do. And, and that was the transition from a volunteer, which she and, and many other folks at More Love still are working in conjunction with the mission uh, to our own nonprofit and a host of other activities and, and services that we provide for the homeless community now. Yeah, so I got a lot of things I want, places I want to go there after hearing that. Uh, let's just stock Start with those things you do on the street. Yeah. Well, I think it's also really important to note that the connection between the community and the volunteers is all done just on that volunteer basis. So everybody who's part of More Love works a full-time job, is a parent, does have a family. And so we are doing all of this pro bono, and that's our intention to stay that way. I think it's important to say that because I think a lot of people choose not to work with some organizations or have their funding go there because they just feel like they're funding just yet another person. Yeah. Um, And that's not what you're doing. More Love... uh, Again, like we said, we walk alongside people, we become their constants, but we do that without a paycheck being provided because we don't need to. I mean, a lot of it is on a volunteer basis. 
So we go out and serve every Tuesday night as a group, More Loves group, under Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. We run their Tuesday night search and rescue. Um, and we keep the same route so that people can see us as their constants. Um, oftentimes, that's a lot of the time where we get the people that we help is off the streets directly. We also work with social workers, schools, Seattle Police Department, Kirkland Police Department just recently. Oftentimes, if they don't want to arrest somebody, they'll call us, um, and then we'll step in and we'll, we'll take over the person that might be squatting in a building or um, somebody who has a young girl sleeping in their car because she can't get to school on time. So we've certainly become people's constants more more than we more than we actually anticipated. Um, so much so that we've invited a couple of our new admin, which I'm, I'm grateful to say we have got new people who are working moms and working people in our community that are now going to give their time back to help answer the calls, the emails. So that to me is huge. It is, and it is, a, and the problem. I mean, the organization then has to be huge and, and big enough to figure out how to work the streets and these other people you're working with. Union Gospel Mission, and you've got your own sort of niche figured out. I love you've used the word being someone's constant several times. The uh, the basics is getting face to face with people, isn't it? And, and letting them know. Again, the word love is in your thing, that they're loved. People are human beings, and they need <laughs> to know that they're loved by people. As, as yeah. If I can interject my own, what I've seen from hosting this show long enough, that people are the same no matter what class they come from or where they live or don't live, and they need to be held up as another human being. Is, is that some of the way you address yeah. this? And, and then if you can <laughs> start there, What's the goal after you've become the constant? What are the next steps you see people moving with you when you say, hey, you know, person X, I don't, you get to know their names. <laughs> That's yeah. the first thing. Hey, I'd love to see you do this. Or do you push them or do they come to you and you We don't wait? push. We don't push because you can't, there's nobody, you can't save somebody. Right. They have to save themselves. But I think I'll speak to, to the con, the word constant comes from two different angles. We become the constant for the people that we're helping, but we also want to be the constant for the community to give them a resource to provide outreach or so for a great example would be like a dental student just sent us an email and said, Hey, I can't help on the streets directly, but I can provide dental services to your homeless people. Would you want some of them to come see me? So we're, we're trying to be the constant for the community to teach them how to give back at the best of their ability while becoming other people's constants. Walking alongside somebody could look like a million things. It could look like as much as a heroin user on the streets that's pregnant and we know exactly where to get them into treatment. Or it could be walking alongside somebody like a Johnny Jones that took four years and he's a gentleman who lived on the streets. We met him on search and rescue. He was in prison for 28 years. He never got case management. We had to walk alongside him to understand who Johnny Jones really was. And from there, now he's a sober man at 59, living his life again in a sober living house. And it's thanks to the Moreland Project because we never stop. We won't stop. <laughs> I like that. And so now I've already got people intrigued, I'll bet. The More Love Project, and they love the name More Love. Online, if they want to look up more than what we're talking about today, right? MoreLoveProject.org. Pretty be simple, great. right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. We're also very active on Facebook. If you look up the More Love Project for Seattle's Homeless on Facebook, uh, we're frequently updating uh, our initiatives, our needs, uh, things that the community can do to uh, to help uh, address this issue. Well, that's a couple of questions are there. Um, people individually can do something. And then as you talk about going out on the street in the search and rescue van, here's two questions. What is, what is that like, um, street life? Because some people think, well, 
I can write a check or I can maybe put a barrel in my the lobby of my office and help collect socks or, or warm hats. Well, can you describe what that might be like for people who never really venture into downtown Seattle in the uh, what they we all used to call the seedier parts and say, oh, this is what actually goes on down there. I, I, I've been afraid to look. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great question. And it, you oh, know, right. We, I got a couple. It's, you a said it's, it. it's great. It's we, great. You know, we really try and and help people identify ways to assist the homeless community in ways that they feel good about. Uh, that they feel comfortable with and that they can be consistent with. So for some people, it's doing the hard work of, of walking the streets every Tuesday night. Uh, for others, it's it's making care bags with their kids, um, you know, large Ziploc bags that have, you know, deodorant and a bottle of water and some granola bars and Band-Aids wow. that in, instead of, you know, stopping at the intersection and, and seeing a homeless person on the side of the road and you, you avert your eyes. Right. You know, why not let it be a lesson for your kids to say, you know what, there's a way to help. And you've got blessing bags in your car and you hand them a bag. And, you know, it's 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 a great way to help the homeless community. It's a great lesson for kids. I do it with my kids. And Facebook Seattle does it every month. They're yeah. addicted to it. They yeah, make the face, their Yeah, love Facebook's bags. office here in town yeah, is Yeah, I want you to describe that again because that is pretty simple and it's actually a pretty positive thing. Describe just that little step again. Yeah, so, you know, it, it, it really started in earnest last summer. Uh, we did a, a big event on the east side. Uh, one of our volunteers had the idea we have so many people that, that come to us and say, you know, it feels so good to help. And I, and I try and talk to my kids about it. Is there any way to get involved? And, and of course, there's some things that, that aren't for kids. You know, walking the streets and, and doing the, the case management with the homeless community isn't for kids. Wouldn't work. No. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we had one of our volunteers that, that had this idea of why don't we create these, these care bags and, uh, and let's see what we can do and, and have this be uh, an event. For folks, and so we did it. We ended up having hundreds of kids and their parents come to the police community officers. center in Redmond. Yeah, police officers came and expressed their support and, and shared with the community how important these kind of gestures really are. And we had a, a lot of donations uh, from from some really generous companies to uh, to provide us with you know everything from feminine products to deodorant to water and 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 granola bars and, and those kinds of things and love so these notes we put love notes in them yeah yeah notes from kids that that you know express their support and and a hope for a you know a better future and these kids spent a couple hours just putting these bags together and, and they walked out with with boxes that they put in their parents cars and and just had this great outpouring of feedback uh from these kids and and their parents sharing with us photos and anecdotes that it was just such a meaningful event for kids and and it's so a movement now i would say yeah and so we have now more we've blessing had, bags and we know what to do with <laughs> yeah we have people doing it all the time now and, and we really feel good about the fact that it's it's such a kind gesture and, and really such a simple thing in the big picture but it's it's also i think a great example of how we try and find ways for people to contribute in ways that are meaningful for them and, and again, it can be, you know, really roll up your sleeves, you know, go walk the streets. Um, it can be creating these, these care bags. Uh, it can be getting your company involved. Uh, as, as Christine mentioned, Facebook uh, here in Seattle is, has been great. Uh, they've become great partners for us. Uh, we have dozens and dozens of companies that help us every winter. 
uh, to do a coat drive. We, we do the actually the largest coat drive in, in the state of Washington. Uh, and so uh, we really try and identify ways that we can connect the community um, with, with this, you know, this big important issue that, that we all can identify. We are talking this morning with Christine Moreland and Jeff Langto about the More Love Project. They operate in downtown Seattle, uh, giving out love in little care bags, blessing bags, I think you called them, too. Uh, May I tell you a story of a little bit of love from a blessing bag that happened last week? Absolutely. This is what I wanted to hear, not only the giving part, but the receiving part. So I'm on the front lines, and I'm I'm on the front lines because I am incredibly blessed that I get to be around humans that have gratitude that I've never seen before from even on a daily basis. There's people that just kind of walk on by and forget to say thank you for opening a door and a simple kind gesture really can change somebody's life. And we were on the search and rescue vans with the mission uh, last Tuesday and there was a gentleman who was walking in the dark uh, alone and most people would be afraid. For me, that's like a golden ticket to go say hello uh, because anybody that's alone, that must mean that they don't have somebody Um, And it's my finest belief that everybody needs one. So I walked over and I said, sir, my name's Christine. And is there anything I can do to help you? And he looked at me with his eyes and he said, why would you help me? I'm homeless. Well, for me, that golden ticket just got even more gold. And it said, because you're human, because you're loved. And I had this incredible blessing bag that a woman named Cheryl had made who didn't even know that that day that she was truly going to change Daryl's life. So I'm holding this blessing bag, and he still doesn't believe me that I'm just there to help him. He's still now walking backwards from me, repeating over and over that he's homeless. I'm not worth it. I'm homeless. And I keep telling him, you're loved. Please believe me. I've got this bag for you. So he kind of stops. He looks at me a little bit, and then he goes back to the van with me. And we open this blessing bag filled with love. And the first thing I do is read the note to Daryl. And it's written to a friend, dear friend. I love you. I want you to know you're cared for. I want you to know there's hope, there's strength, there's people behind you. That note goes behind. Daryl's eyes light up. Then there's a t-shirt in there. Daryl takes his shirt off. Daryl puts the new clean shirt on. His smile got a little bit brighter, just a little bit brighter. Then Daryl looks down and he says, is that a piece of paper and a pen? Yeah. I said, would you write my number down? Absolutely. He takes my phone number. I'm now his constant. I'm somebody he can trust. He takes out the bar. He eats the bar. He's hungry. He sees socks. He sits down on the pavement. I sit next to him. We take his shoes off. We give him new socks. He changes jeans in the van. Daryl's now dancing, smiling. (laughs) And Daryl turns around and prays for us and gives us love. The next day, Daryl, who didn't even think that he was worth it, texts us a picture of himself in his brand new outfit saying, thank you. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the jeans. Thank you for the shoes. Thank you for the socks. And people want to ask me at times if I'm enabling people. And I'll tell you, I'm enabling them with love because I want Daryl to know he matters and he means something and he knows he does. You know, that's, that's such an awesome story, Christine. Thanks for sharing that. And, and I'm, I'm certain you have hundreds of those. I mean, that happens all the time. And, you know, the love part and the blessing part... You mentioned handing out bags at at the bottom of a ramp, you know, that get, talk your kids into just handing those out the window to people. They all often have a sign that says, God bless you, you know, or something. And then the note in there that that says to them, God bless you, you are loved, is bringing this whole thing around. I mean, 
I don't know if you can talk about the trend. You've gotten to know some of these people over the time and over the course of months and a year, maybe. What, I mean, that guy, that story was a one-day one, but tell me more about what a person can be like. And you mentioned someone that was a year's worth of project Johnny or Jones, something. Johnny Jones, yeah. You know, so we don't claim to be a faith-based organization um, because we believe in everybody and everybody's faith is important. Um, just so that we can preface that piece of it, I believe that everybody deserves to um, have love regardless of what faith they're under or what sure. faith they have. Um, but I would say that when they, when they open those notes or they see it, it's just reinforcing what they constantly hear. Right. If somebody says, you know, they're saying, God bless you, please give. But we're reinforcing that we are giving to you, but you really are blessed. We really do care about you. We really do love you. When you say there's hundreds of stories, I'd say there's thousands. Yeah, when they I'll become personal, they are. I have a child living in my home now who I've taken under my wing because of more love. Um, you know, when, I, when we're looking at this now, we're looking from a problem standpoint of how do we solve it? We're not just here to be their constants and walk alongside them. We're not here just to talk about ending homelessness. We're here to do just that. Um, I think I would like Jeff to speak towards it, but we started with the thought process that everybody deserves dignity as well. And through dignity, I think a lot of people will stand a little taller, look a little brighter, and maybe just open up and get some more help. Well, I'm going to guess, you, maybe you can. I'll start you off with this. Looking someone in the eye and calling them by name is the, is the greatest place to start with this dignity thing and letting them know you are a person, another person like me. Yeah, I, you know, I think if, if there's one thing that I would, I would hope that the listeners would, would take uh, from, from this program is uh, a shift away from this idea of enabling people to providing them with some dignity. And, uh, and it's not done just because we we think it's the right thing to do because they're humans because we want to be their constant those things are all true but we also know through hundreds and hundreds of examples that the first step for somebody to start leading a more safe and and secure and stable life is to feel like they have some dignity to feel like they actually deserve that better life and it's really these small gestures like the one that christine just described that we know uh, provide the the first step down that more positive path, and uh, and and so you know we we really try and, and um, build that relationship where there is some trust, and they do say you know what I I don't want this to be my life, I don't want this to be my circumstance forever. I, I do deserve better, and and it all starts with dignity. And, I'm and, worth it. Yeah, I'm it worth just, it. it. Yeah, it really is, and and so that's where we start, and. You know, then, you know, I, I come from a, a, a tech background. I was, I've been the CEO of a software company in Seattle and, and spent 20 years in, in the digital and tech industry. And, and so I'm, I'm very much about, you know, metrics and analytics. And, uh, and I had worked with Christine uh, on, on different things over the years. Uh, and then when I joined the board, one of the first things I said was, we, we have to start being accountable to our donors. We have to start being accountable to our people. And most importantly, let's be accountable to those people on the streets. And so we can map out how many people we connect with, with families. We can map out how many hotel room stays there are. If we look back at, at 2016, we booked 126 hotel rooms that equated to 443 warm nights off the street for folks. Um, as I mentioned before, we do the lo largest coat drive in, in the state of Washington, 10,000 pounds of, of coats and other warm clothes wow, nice. this last this last <laughs> December. It's the greatest gift, I think, coat yeah, drive. And, yeah, the, and it really sometimes is. Sometimes our greatest downfall. Yeah, and, and we, you <laughs> know, women. we've, we've uh, 
book 24 trips home, uh, buses or, or flights when we were able to find uh, family that had been disconnected from people on the streets and say, hey, you know, we're here with your family member, your, your long ago friend, and they really need help. And 24 times we were able to get people to, awesome. to, to homes. Well, and especially when people are saying, aren't we just driving people to Seattle and Groves by talking about funding? We're doing our best to drive them home wherever home is. Yeah. Well, it, you know, let me, before we run out of time, you did talk about donors and being responsible. What does it take to put money, I mean, put people in those hotel rooms and get them to shelters and get, get some food and, and coats and things that you, you must have to spend some money. What, what does that take to run the More Love Project? You know, we are funded solely on our volunteers and the people that care about what More Love does, solely funded. We do not take any city funding. We have no government grants, none of that. Um, so what it takes is to please consider today going to the themoreloveproject.org, either become one of our monthly donors or just donate what you can. $5 goes a long way. We have a mother right now who's got a seven-year-old little girl who all of their stuff is stuck in a storage unit. You'll see her story on our Facebook. We're trying to raise funding for her. Follow our page. If it catches you, you think about it, donate, please. And uh, just know that every dollar goes towards our efforts. That's so themoreloveproject.org and also on Facebook is probably where you put things more quickly pictures of people you meet and stuff like facebook.com the more love project we can find you that way the more uh, absolutely project. okay mm-hmm. cool and um yeah just donate some money right is yeah there and you other... can call us of course at 253-655-7437 we do get a lot of people call and say hey i saw this homeless person or my father's missing or my mother's missing Coming from a place where I have been on the other side of homelessness, it's important to take notice, you guys, and remember that people have families as well. So it's okay to call us if you've seen somebody that you might want to help, but you don't quite know how to do it. Great. Um, and another thing about people, and they do get generous in uh, in November and December. What What about this time of year? I mean, there's still just as many people on the street. It's not, not super more, cold at night, but well, man, we have just a need hungry, right now they? for our children. We have a need for our children. So you guys, we're crying out for help because we have children who some of them only receive their meals when they're in school right? and the school year is coming to an end and they're coming to us because Hope Link is tapped out because a lot of the food banks aren't being funded anymore. And they're coming to us and saying, help me feed my family. We have a family of six that we just delivered meals to so that the children could eat. So when the school year ends, these children no longer have meals. They don't have breakfast. They don't have lunch and they don't get to take that bag home on that school bus. Consider giving to More Love who does turn around and when the Kirkland Police Department calls or the Seattle Police Department calls and there's a hungry child, we go and feed them. Um, another way, and a lot of nonprofits raise money through uh, uh, events. So you do have something coming up within a I don't know, a month or so, right? Um, yeah, we, we do. We have golf, you know, people say, I can, I can go out and play golf and raise money, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. We have a, a golf tournament uh, June 21st. It'll be at Newcastle. Uh, a lot of businesses from the area are, are coming out and sponsoring holes and, and providing support uh, to, to the More Love Project and would love to have people come out and play golf. And, and if they're, they have a company or they're with a company that would be interested in sponsoring, it's another great way to, uh, to get involved. Uh, as we've said a couple times, you know, we really want to to kind of meet people where they are, and uh, and and if it means putting together blessing bags, if it means donations, if it means supported events, if it means walking the streets, 
Building um, shower units. Yeah, we we just launched Seattle's first mobile shower unit to, to go out to the homeless encampments. And, I did read that on your website, a mobile yeah. shower. That's yeah. just a great idea. Yeah, it's, you know, we... I can't we, think that's been done before, has it? It, it has been done in, in other cities, um, oh, okay. but but we did uh, we did the first one here. Uh, we had the support of Amerigroup, uh, a local business, uh, and then partnered with Union Gospel Mission as well. And, uh, you know, I worked for, for many months on that. We had a lot of work to do with the city um, to, to make sure that, that we had all the, the clearance to, to get it done. Red tape um, to but, cut. Yeah, but, <laughs> but we, you know, we were able to to get it on the street, and you know, even the the first day, um, we we had a, a woman, Lily, that um, was was interested in there and was asking questions about how often it would be there, and uh, and we got to chatting with her, and we said, why don't you take the first shower? And so we did it. We did a launch, and you know, a lot of the the, the local media was there. And she came out and, and she found me and, and she had tears in her eyes. And, you know, Lily said, this is my first warm shower in, in three months. Wow. And I, I just, I... Which I, now I have tears in my eyes. Well, so there's the dignity back. I mean, <laughs> look, you can take a shower too. I mean, yeah. yeah. You guys are doing such great work. Yeah. I, I, we are going to run out of time right now. So what did we, like, big picture, maybe a topic that we didn't even bring up that The More Love does? Or maybe it's something you want to make sure people hear a second time or... I think the one thing is, is if you have an idea, you need help, you want to connect, you don't don't think you're far off by contacting us. You know, we've had multiple people reach out and say, I think I want to do this. How can it be done? And we figured out a way. So you're growing your volunteer base with new ways, not just yes. you can volunteer doing this or this or this. You're open to it's like, this is a great idea yourself. Let's Bring see it how we down. can make it yeah. happen. Oh, I love and, that. and we really, we focus on, on sort of being the tie that, that binds groups within the communities. Uh, we work with government entities, faith-based organizations, businesses, an army of volunteers, and we really try and find great ideas and willing participants and, and bring them together and make things happen. And that's what we did with the, with the shower truck. Uh, we had a follow-up meeting that came out of that where the, the local plumbers union, Local 32, mm-hmm. came to us and said, we can build more of these for you. And so we had yeah, a great meeting better. with them. And yeah, and yeah, and they had some critiques of, of the plumbing work sure, on I'll our shower truck. Yeah, but yeah. it was all very justified, I know. So that's um, all positive, though. That's yeah, great. it's incredible. But it's, you know, it, you, you think, okay, so, so I'm a plumber, and how do I help? Well, this is a really with important plumbing. way to help. Yeah. And so there's just these examples after examples that, um, you know, we, we find ways to bring the community together and, and, and have them contribute in ways they're passionate about and, and ways that can bring dignity to, to the homeless community. All right. So I've got to wrap it up now, guys. We could talk for a long time about spreading the love with the More Love Project. So, again, online, themoreloveproject.org, right? Yes. Follow you on Facebook. You yep. probably have a Twitter account, too, or something. Instagram. And Instagram. And, yeah, yeah, you know, for our Different time. people love to follow different know. ways, yeah. so that's good. Or call uh, us. Phone number, right? Uh, I think I got this right. 253-655-7437. Correct. All right. We have been talking this morning with uh, the president, Christine Moreland, and vice president, Jeff Lacto of the More Love Project. Jeff and Christine, thank you guys so much for coming in and sharing with us. And a bigger thanks for what the More Love Project is doing for those in need in our community. Thank you so much for connecting thank you, us all. Thank, thank you, you so for much. having us. We appreciate it. I am Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community. I'm Kate Daniels. Breast cancer 
Oh, that can really shake us to the bone. But the good news is that great strides have been made. Breast exams and early detection have made a world of difference. Then there's the not-so-good news. Not everyone has affordable access to the early detection exams. Plus, there are the more insidious forms of the disease as well. Back to the good news then, because there is so much good being done. We can definitely be part of it. And we get to discuss that now as we meet David Richard, Coleman Puget Sound Executive Director, and Susan Grastall with the Race for the Cure Committee. Good morning, David Richard and Susan Grastall. It's certainly good to see you once again, Susan, and to welcome you, David. Thank Thank you. you. And it is really time to be getting into the home stretch, getting geared up for the Komen Race for the Cure. That's coming up really fast. But what we want to make sure is that this is the big piece here. I am told if you're anything like me and have not yet committed to this, there's still plenty of time. Right, David? That's right. 80% of our folks that register for the race and fundraise do it in the last month right before June 4th, Sunday at the Seattle Center. So we're in good company. Don't let that deter you because the race is coming up. Let's just get that statistic again nailed down and we'll come back to it again. But Susan, it is on. It's on June 4th. It starts at Seattle Center, ends at Seattle Center, starts at 8 o'clock a.m. with the Survivor Parade, which is really exciting. Yes, that is such a key thing, because that's what this is all about, isn't it? Yep. Right, David? Yep. It's all about our survivors saving lives. That's what we're here for. And isn't that the, um, obviously it would be a goal, but the real big goal in terms of survivors is to really expand it to those communities that perhaps are neglected or just don't have the opportunity for all the ways to be screened and have all these tests done, right? That's right. Communities of color have much higher breast cancer rates and are diagnosed later and then conversely um, don't recover as well as Caucasian women. So a lot of our funding goes to break down barriers to care and give women access to mobile mammography in communities that don't have the kind of resources that some of our more um, well-off communities in Seattle have. So that's our whole focus as an organization is to get women screened early for breast cancer. So we know this. We know early detection is so critical, but we can see that there is really a, a wall perhaps to scale when someone doesn't have the funds. This is where we come in with the fundraising and being part of the Race for the Cure that each of us can be such an important piece of it, right? Absolutely. And, you know, this is our 35th year. We're celebrating it in 2017. And one of the things that as an organization we've decided to do is to focus on the fact that, yes, we've really done well at women surviving breast cancer, but we've what we've not been able to do is cut the number of deaths every year. So that's our bold goal going forward is to reduce the number of women who die from breast cancer in half in 10 years. So that's where we're gonna be focusing our money and where our Komen scientific researchers are gonna be focusing on as we continue to battle breast cancer. And the way that that's done, the funds that we raise in this community, a big percentage stay right here for just that purpose, correct? That's right, 75% of all the dollars that are raised here stay here. And actually, the other 25% actually stays here 
as well. But what happens is it's combined with the 25% of every other dollar raised in the entire country and then put into a ginormous, <laughs> is that a word? I don't know. It is now. Yeah, it is now. Fund that in turn funds research and all over the country. So this last year, we added to that pool about $500,000, about a half million from Coleman Puget Sound went into the research pool and about 800 came back in the form of grants to the University of Washington and the Fred Hutt Cancer Research Center. So funding scholars like Dr. Julie Grelo and her work around metastatic breast cancer and helping um, Dr. Mary Claire King, who discovered and had a TV show or movie after her life, right? She's the one that discovered the BRCA gene, the genetic testing that some families have that causes breast cancer in their gene. So anyway, the point is, is that a lot of dollars come back totaled in the whole U.S., Almost a billion dollars in research has been funded by Coleman now. The only other organization that funds breast cancer research more than us is the federal government, the NIH. So we're very proud of that fact and, and proud that the, the dollars come back into our region. And part of that, of course, is that we have such state-of-the-art medical facilities and research facilities here. I mean, in that sense, we are so lucky that uh, it, it really uh, maybe puts another... Uh, what mantle on us? Yes, that this is so wonderful. But again, it really should spur us on to want to raise more funds because uh, it's just that win-win-win-win-win kind of That's situation. Right. This last, uh, currently this year, this last year, I guess whatever, um, we discovered that the funding for our mobile mammography was actually got a waiting list. We They ran out of money because we had so many women who needed mobile mammography up and down the I-5 corridor, right? That's kind of our service area. So um, we've gone, we're, we're hoping to be able to get more, uh, add more money to that this coming year um, so that women don't have to wait. But can you imagine 700 women having to wait for a, a mammogram? I mean, that's just not that's just not where we want to go. So it's really important this year for us to raise as much money as we can and to spur the legislature on to fund the BCC, the Breast and Cervical Cancer Program that is a, it's matched Coleman dollars, state dollars, and federal dollars to give women free mammograms. And that's how the, the program works. And we want to eliminate that waiting list. I cannot fathom being in a position of needing or feeling like maybe something's wrong, I need to get a mammogram, I can't afford it, and here's there's a waiting list. I can't get in to get it done. I mean, right. Susan, can you imagine? It, it's To me, it's amazing that it's just not a given that a woman can go in and have the health care that she needs. And on top of that, as David pointed out earlier, we really support underserved women within our communities. And so once they even get that mammogram, perhaps they're going to be diagnosed with breast cancer, and that changes everything. And as you know, we have a very diverse community in the whole Washington area. And a lot of these women, I mean, we have a lot of Im immigrants. We have women that English is their second language, if they speak English at all. And so they get this diagnosis. And so not only are we providing for the mammograms, then there's this maze of medical stuff they have to go through. And there's a piece called navigation, which is my favorite thing that, you know, we we do provide for. And and that way, a woman who is diagnosed with breast cancer that needs help, that needs, you know, an advocate with them or just to get them through the maze, takes that woman's hand and works with them through the entire way so that they can get 
get that through the process. And we also support um, emotional and uh, financial needs. Okay, so they can't get the mammogram, so they get the mammogram. And then because of the cost of the treatment, they're looking at their budget going, do I feed my children or do I have chemotherapy? Nobody should have to make that, even even no. think about that. No. And so there's like through with uh, grants through other nonprofits, they then will receive some money that they use have best to their purposes so that they can have that chemotherapy. And there's groceries on the table. There's school supplies. There's shoes, whatever the need is, heat. So it's just so important to really raise these dollars, and especially with it staying here. It's, it, it really has an impact. Mm-hmm. It definitely does. And so here is our opportunity. If we've not registered or gone online to support an existing team, this is the time to do it, right, David? That's right. That's right. You go to um, Coleman Puget Sound. Um, and go on to our race website and you can register or join a start a new team or join an existing team or support someone else who's who's got a team or is fundraising themselves Um, this enables us this last year so on april 1st we gave out almost seven hundred fifty thousand dollars three quarters of a million dollars to local nonprofits to fund breast cancer services to what Susan was just talking about. So at Cancer Lifelines, having a financial mm-hmm. program um, that where you can go in and just ask for funds to help to support your family when you're in the midst of your chemo or if it's patient, na- patient navigators or mammograms or outreach into communities of color on or into na- um, native communities. We, we fund it all up and down the I-5 corridor. And it's all because of what happens at the race and, and the other fundraising that we do throughout the year. Exactly. And so as we do this, Susan, we go to the website and we can either support someone, start our own team. It's not too late to even do that, correct? Oh, it is not too late. It is not too late. You can do it right up to right before the race because, honestly, you can raise money after the race because the books don't close until, I believe, sometimes in July on it. So we are giving you a lot of time, but we suggest now. (laughs) Now, yes, we'd Let's like not that. Put it, don't right, put it off. So, in other words, it's not too late. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we have people. We have people doing um, barbecues. We have people doing um, garage sales. We have one of our top fundraisers. Um, she's twelve years old, and she raised last year over ten thousand dollars by selling cookies and baked goods with her mom. So th- there are a hundred different ways to be able to do it. Right? Some people like to just straight out ask for money. Other people like to do fun events with their friends and family. So there's tons of different things you can do to raise money. And you can get it matched maybe through your company. Yes. Right? So there's there's all sorts of ways to make your your dollar your donated dollars stretch, right? Exactly. A lot of big companies in the Puget Sound will match a donation. So that's really important to remember as well. And that's always an exciting piece of it because if you can think of it at the minimum doubling those dollars that you've donated, right. I mean, that's even that much more exciting uh, for for what can happen. Right. And we, we're hearing how critically important this is. This is truly life and death. And it's not just the person affected, it's family members and friends, the way that that just kind of ripples out. So... When we think about these life and death issues, how can we help but want to step right up and be involved? Correct, Susan? Oh, absolutely. And it's so easy to be involved. If I can just mention, 
home in Puget Sound again. You know, it's so easy to go online, support someone, join the race yourself. It's really, it's it's not an expensive adventure to do. For an adult to register, it's only $40. A survivor, $35. We always take care of our survivors. Um, you know, you can bring your dog. You can register your dog. Okay. I like this pause for the cure thing. Okay. And that's $20 to bring your dog. And, and that's a very popular way. A lot of people really enjoy that piece. So it's very easy. The website's very easy to use. Go check it out. And when you come on Sunday, June 4th, be sure to go and check out all the tents because we have a lot of giveaways. QFC is one of our big sponsors. They're going to have lots of snacks. You can get food. You can get drinks from Talking Rain. I mean, oh, my gosh, Ford provides scars. It's just such a fun event all around for the whole family, right? We have a kids race that we do, so along with the dog race. So (laughs) nobody's left without any fun, right, on Sunday morning. So Yes. And it starts bright and early. Not that you have to be there at the crack of dawn, but for anyone who is that kind of an early bird, you can get there that early and get signed up and check out these booths, correct? Correct. And one of the nice things is it is an early event. So if you know, families come down and do this together. Then they have the rest of the day to spend together if they want to kick around downtown Seattle. The Children's Art Museum participates with us. You know, it's just a great family event. You're up early. You've got the whole day. Yeah. We encourage all the survivors to come early because um, Microsoft is sponsoring the Survivor Tent this year, and we've got breakfast provided, and every survivor that comes will get a, a rose as well. So we want them to come and check out the Survivor Tent and have free breakfast. Absolutely. Oh, it feels like being treated like royalty. That's yeah. right. Right? Yes. 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 As well, and they should. You know what? Speaking yeah. of which, I'm going to put a plug in for Holland America because in the fall, in September, they do exactly that. They let all of our survivors come onto one of their ships and they provide lunch and a whole day on a cruise ship for absolutely free for anybody who's a survivor. We get 400 women at the Holland America Cruise Line. It is so much fun. I know Susan's been. It's very much. A, just, it's a uh, lot of fun. And we, they give away a free cruise to women that come that day. It's just a blast. So there's lots of reasons why women should get, survivors should get involved with Coleman because there's all sorts of fun things like that. Yes. And considering the huge challenge, this health challenge that you have gone through, that this woman yes. has gone through, I mean, capitalize on that, if I may say that, you know, Take advantage of a way then to treat yourself because you've been through basically hell and back. Right. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I think, Coleman, if there's one thing about us, it's that we're like a big family, right? And that there's other people to talk to about no matter how old, no matter what your family background is, whether you're a white different Caucasian other than other colors, other nationalities. It's every it's just amazing how we create sort of that feeling of belonging. I feel like that's 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 one of the most special things about Coleman. Yes. A real strong bond. I think too that the Survivor Parade and those women when they get in front of the stage and the dance party starts Sunday morning, I mean they are who energizes the race. Yep. They are the ones that just set it afire. It becomes alive then. Until then, everybody's kind of milling about half away because it's early. That starts, you know, and um, yeah, Blue Thunder starts the the parade. Blue Thunder with the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and once they start, 
The party's on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so much to get excited about here and to really celebrate life, literally, is what it's about. But, you know, going back to why this is going on, why the race for the cure continues annually, is because we still have a long ways to go to have really more survivors so that we don't even have to think about anyone dying from this horrible disease. That's right. That's right. And, you know, that's where the research dollars are so important. And, you know, they the, the doctors will tell you that breast cancer in and of itself doesn't kill you. It's when it leaves your breast and goes into other parts of your body. And that's what we that's why the early detection is so important, right? Yes. Because in some forms of breast cancer, you unless you're getting regular mammograms, you don't even know that it's there. It's so tiny. So I think that's really important to remember, right? Is that the early detection and and what I always say, especially this time of year, you know, when we're when we talk about this illness, um, that to all the women out there that are so busy taking care of everybody else, once a year, it's their time to take care of themselves because we need the women in, in these families. They are the like they are the stability for almost all of us, right? And yes. that's why we do what we do is because we love the women in our lives. Yes, absolutely, and. What we see is then that bonding, how families meet other families, right, and and celebrate each other and build these relationships that can't help, but I think continue on and help us to, to build a, a stronger community and, and, again, eradicate this awful disease. Yeah. Well, you know, they, there's a lot of uh, research that shows that your emotional well-being can help you through and help you defeat diseases. And one of the things I've found in the Komen community, which I love, is that everybody's there for each other. And there's just such this feeling going on all the time. It's just a real positive vibe amongst these people, whether they're survivors, whether they're volunteers, whether they're um, co-survivors, which are the families. It's just, it's, they're very united and we're all have one goal. We're all very passionate about this. And um, there's just, you see women coming in being hesitant and being, you know, scared. They're just very early on in their diagnosis and they're surrounded with this love and they blossom in front of your very eyes. And it's really, really wonderful to watch. So they're given that really important gift of hope. Absolutely. You know, to really feel encouraged. And there, then it gets into that emotional piece that you're mentioning, Susan, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, anybody, I think, that has had a diagnosis of cancer, there's a certain, I don't know what, what, what the right word is, but there's, it's a sort of a uh, come to Jesus moment, I guess, in your life about the fact that we're not here very long at all some of us and that it's this is a it's a really really scary time and it it sort of laser focuses what you know you as an individual what do you what you're all about and where you're going and what how important relationships are with you and the support that you're going to need and it's a it's a galvanizing time for a person and for a whole family and for a community and we in the Puget Sound have really high breast cancer rates we don't know why but it's mm-hmm. true um, some some folks think it's because of the gray skies. I'll blame the gray skies for pretty much everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Susan. <laughs> Other people say it's because the water. I don't, you know, whatever. We don't know why exactly. But the bottom line is that we have a lot of breast cancer in our region. So, 
and thus we also have a lot of research that goes on here. So in that way, it makes it uh, better if we can think of this kind of diagnosis having any better part to it. At least we're right here and don't have to travel somewhere and search for that. We can get this healing work done right here within our own community. I think that that is definitely a plus. But again, we have to come back to the fact, how does that happen? Well, it takes all of us. That's why we are fundraising. That's why we have the race, fun stuff going on. But it's all about registering, getting those funds in there, raising more funds so we can get this under control. Yep, exactly. That's right. And one day find a cure and put us all out of business, right? That'd be okay. That'd be okay with us. Yes. We'll go and spend our time having loads of fun with the people we've met. That's right. But everybody healthy. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So what we need to do. Remember, those of us who may be the procrastinators, and I have to include myself in that, but I realize I'm in the 80%, as David said. That's right. right? Okay, so (laughs) we can look at it as not being so bad, but this is the time to really get focused and, and get busy and get registered, donate. So, David, what's your invite for people to come and do that, get registered? Well, you know, you can walk in on the day of the race. Oh, okay. You don't have yeah. to do it in advance. If you forgot, you can sleep in for the cure if you want. Absolutely. <laughs> There's really no excuse. You can walk, like I said, and register the very day out. But if it's so easy, it's you just a click of your mouse. You just go to Coleman Puget Sound and click on the race and then click on fundraise and register and you're there and it takes five minutes. And so, it is smartphone easy too. Oh, and smart <gasps> thank you, Susan. Smartphone easy too. Yes, because we know we have not just a generation, but a really huge contingent of people who really are attached to those little gizmos, uh, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, they are. So it couldn't be any easier. And just think of it. Get a team together. Get your pals together and get out there and have a good old time. And especially, as Susan said, with the puppies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, the dogs are really delight. And, and you know, and the dogs really are important, too, because I was sitting here thinking about that while we were talking. You know, there's a lot of women who went through this whole journey with their, you know, four-legged furry friend right there next to them that supported them as much, too. So they love to bring their dog out to celebrate just as much as everyone else in their family. Yep. Just so perfect. David, I know that what's going to happen, as you've already mentioned, a lot of these Funds that are raised are going to be used to fund projects. And one of them that came to light is the inner city LGBTQ community. Why is there an issue there that they are not getting the service they need? Well, um, part of it is that providers, medical providers, aren't always um, trained on how to deal with um, that community when it comes to breast health. And so we've done um, some community work and found out there's all sorts of barriers to getting into care. So we've gotten some money and um, put together a program where we're training the trainers on how to be able to make it welcoming for women that are LGBT um, that come in to get breast health and don't and feel like they're welcome. So we're working with Swedish and a number of other partners to try to bring this new um, kind of Uh, training to providers so that everybody, no matter what kind of a background you have, has the same um, welcoming 
um, and not having to break through any barriers to be able to get care. Because we know that's one of the reasons why women don't get the screenings is because they don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. They want to see a face or someone that can relate to them. Right? So that's that's the real crux of the matter. So we've started a whole program. We've got a, a training that we're going to do. We're working with the Hutch um, we've gotten um, IRB, IRB approval so that it's um, a study is happening to look at the data and and really drive the this what we're focusing on to help that community. So we're very very proud of of the work that we've done with that. So, yeah. Oh, that is so super. I think that even underscores more greatly how there is this outreach through Comb and Puget Sound to really address every single community every member of every community so that there's just this equal field, equal platform that we're all dealing on. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and this year we partnered with the American Cancer Society to have a lobby day in Olympia to um, ask for funding of the programs like the BCCHP program that funds mammograms, right? So we partner with all sorts of other community organizations to fight for the same um, needs of our community that maybe they're fighting for, and it doubles our impact, right? And so um, the pu- the policy part of our work is really important too, because there's there's we we give voices to women that don't necessarily feel like they've got one. So that's another part of our work that we're very excited about. Yes, that is so great. I hope that beyond the invite that we have given, that let's all be involved in whatever way we can to be part of the Race for the Cure this year on June 4th, but that we also feel really inspired by the way that every single life is being touched. There's just so much uh, education and outreach that's going on that we should really feel good about that and want to support even more generously, if you will. That's awesome. Yes. Yes. I appreciate that. That's exactly how we feel. Yeah. As well as with time. You know, the funds are great, but having the volunteers to get out into the community, to do the outreach, to talk to these people, to get involved in the health fairs, to wherever we get asks a lot from different organizations to come out and be a part of their their event and to represent Komen. And so volunteers, you know, sometimes we can't help financially, but if you've got some extra time, you can always use that too. Mm -hmm. And so that would become apparent perhaps on the day of the race, but also uh, we can find out about volunteerism on the website. You certainly can. And that would be just in case anyone forgot, (laughs) KomenPugetSound.org. Yes. Just in case. It's a wealth of information, great stories. I mean, the pictures of survivors, the people who are involved, just really touch the heart and I think are are so positive. Yeah. um, Last year, we we had um, a 12-year-old young man that had his he was a kicker on a on a football team and his best friend was the guy the kid that held the ball and the kid that held the ball his mom was going through chemotherapy for breast cancer and so the kicker decided he wanted to f- raise some money for Coleman Puget Sound to support his best friend's mom and so actually Susan went to the football game where the check was presented on the field and you know that young man raised three thousand dollars for us for Coleman Puget Sound and. At the on the evening of the check presentation, um, they all those young players went up into the stand and gave that mom a single rose. Oh, 
And he raised all that money in one night. He got um, on as many kicks, you know, as many points he's scored. You know, I'll give you $2 if you do that. He uh, hit more kicks than he ever had. So it was pretty awesome. Isn't that a feeling of miraculous to right. have yeah. more kicks? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that's another Simple. creative way to fundraise for, you know, it for breast cancer. Is. And just to see then again the way that, that people, individuals are touched and really that love come pour, comes pouring out yep. for each other. Uh, that's what happens. That's why we want to be involved. That's why we want to see the cure come about. Right. Right. Exactly. Yes. Well, this has been just so wonderful, David and Susan, to have you here this morning and to really inspire us. We are inspired, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> to go to the website once Ooh, again. That would be org. Yes. And we're going to commit in whatever way we can at this time and just, yes, be committed and be involved with the Race for the Cure because it is just the greatest thing saving lives yep yes that's right that's exactly right so thank you greatly for the work that you do and for being here this morning thank you yeah thank you for having us you're so welcome